Hello, everyone. Yo, we have Uma with us again for the second time, but really in terms of podcasts is the third time, only because I cut up the last podcast into two sections. So second, third, whatever you like. Hello, Uma. Welcome back. Thank you for jumping on. Hi, thank you for having me again. So as we were winding up the last episode, I remember speaking to you for a few minutes at the end off air and I said, I had a lot of questions which I did not ask. And the reason was because that podcast we did went for like an hour and a half, an hour and 45 minutes. It just went for so long. And I felt, okay, if I keep asking questions, it's going to hit the two hour, the two hour and a half mark. So I said a few months later, I would bring you back on and have another podcast about Hallyu, Korean culture, about Korean media. So yeah, you're back on. And this time we'll be speaking about BTS. Yeah, that's great. The last time we, I want to say we didn't have enough time, but we had plenty of time. It's just not polite <laughs> to keep it that long. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like I feel like once a podcast hits like two hours, two and a half hours, unless you're Joe Rogan, I, I just I don't blame anyone. Um, even if you're Joe Rogan, like people's attention span, it's just hard to keep someone sitting or walking around for that length of time. And I usually listen to podcasts when I'm walking around. So I don't usually walk around for two hours. So I, I usually like to keep it around an hour, hour and 20 minutes, something like that. So yeah, let's talk about BTS. Let's dive in. <clears throat> to so BTS. firstly, very, very basic questions, which you'll probably get off the top of your head. What does BTS mean? When were they made? And what are some really quick facts that you can tell us about BTS? Yeah, so I want to clear up the fact that I'm not an expert. <laughs> I don't think there is an expert on BTS. I guess a lot of fans could be called experts, but I'm not an extreme expert. What I know is BTS stands for Bangtan Sonyeondan, and that is Bulletproof Boys. They debuted in 2013. They come from big hit agency. <laughs> These are just mm -hmm. like quick facts. They're... There are seven members. Um, do you want me to name them? <laughs> uh, yeah. Just actually, so people, no. yeah. So they're Jungkook, they're mm -hmm. Jimin, J-Hope, V, Rapmon, Rap Monster. <laughs> yeah. Suga. And who am I missing? Jin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there are seven members. And, and there's each four of them... J's. All right. There's Jimin, Jin, Jungkook and, and J-Hope. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> so the reason I wanted to get you on was because last time we spoke about Hallyu, we spoke about it as a general trend, a trend of just like the entirety of Korean culture. So because of that, like we didn't deep dive into specific bands or specific people. And I felt, you know, like if we speak about Hallyu, it's actually uh, quite hard or almost incomplete to do it without mention of BTS. So let's jump into BTS. And, and I'm actually really curious because I've said this before, I'm kind of like an outside observer as well. And I don't really know them that well, but I have a question for you. And this is uh, a question I've thought about for a while. And, and hopefully you can tell me about like, uh, hopefully you can answer this question, which is why was BTS the group to break the Western market and not someone else. And the reason I ask this is, you know, firstly, I, I want to understand their popularity, but secondly, and perhaps I'm biased, like I don't really follow K-pop, but if I had to follow someone or if I had to be a fan of someone, I would probably say 
Jackson Wang, um, who is a part of GOT7, which is another Yeah, group. I know him. He, um, he's one of my favorite pop yeah, culture yeah. people. Yeah, he's... <laughs> He's everyone's sweetheart. Like from what I've seen, it seems like everyone loves him on the on the internet on the community. Uh, but if anything, I would have chosen GOT Seven. Like pretend you asked me like ten years ago, like which group would do better? I would probably aim for GOT Seven because they have stronger English abilities. And secondly, and it's just my opinion, and I apologize if anyone disagrees with me, but I just find them to be a little more, I guess, attractive. So because of those reasons. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's that's how I feel anyway. Like I, I'm a big fan of Jackson Wang's aesthetics, and I can't really name the other members I've got. There's Mark, I find him, he's okay. And there's anyway, there's a few other guys. I'm like, yeah, they're they're pretty good looking, and I prefer their aesthetic to BTS. So, why did BTS be the group that broke all these barriers? Yeah, so I knew this question was coming because of our last talk. I knew that <laughs> I'm gonna have to think about it. First of all, it's like it's a it's a tiny little question with a huge answer <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because I mean, we have to look at a thousand factors. It's not one specific reason, first of all, you know, and when you look at all of the K-pop bands, there's just so much to choose from constantly, you know, and you would think why, why wasn't it EXO, for example, they have bigger choices, but then you t- tell yourself, okay, they're, um, much more rooted in Korean industry and the concept of there being a lot of people, slight differences between members instead of, you know, getting completely different characters in one group. And then you would think, of course, God 7 for me too. It's interesting that they didn't, in the beginning, rank as well as BTS because they're kind of much more versatile in a way, you know, for me as well, because they're more globally oriented they're, it's a different kind of culture that they're bringing to the table when they go into the shows, you know, like these entertainment shows and stuff mm-hmm. like that. <clears throat> so I thought about it as well, you know, and thinking about BTS, there's definitely a lot of factors. First one, I think, is the fact that BTS is the perfect mix of Korean culture and global orientedness. Now, what does that mean? For me personally, that is one of the first things I noticed about BTS. It's the fact that they're really Korean, actually. They're not really... The Rap Monster is the only person in the band who can really speak English, you know. The rest of them are learning now because they have to go like um, Billboard and mm-hmm. Jimmy Kimmel. I don't know, a lot, lot of shows and stuff like that. But Rap yeah. Monster is the only person who's actually uh, speaking English, who's kind of in touch with this... Uh, international entertainment industry and the rest of them are just really Korean when it comes to culture, aesthetic, behavior and stuff like that. But I think that is what the international community was looking for. You know, I think that was the right um, move from the industry, putting them sort of ahead. Then there's, of course, the aesthetic aspect. The aesthetic is something that I could discuss for a really long time. (laughs) And it's the great question why are so many fans obsessed with these members, what they look like, what their behavior is, which I will put into the entire concept of aesthetic. So when I say behavior, it is, you would think it's something related. It's a mix of culture and aesthetic, what they act, you know, what they act like and stuff like that. 
So there are a lot of reasons why that aesthetic is special. It has a lot to do with the shift in the perception of masculinity on a global level. For me, I mean, I've been researching it, so it's really interesting about what it means for how we perceive masculinity and what we like about it and what we don't. And BTS is one of the great examples of Mm -hmm. this new masculinity and stuff like that. So a lot of reasons. I mean, I could, you, you have to specify, we have to go just a little bit deeper into something so I can decide on which answer I'll give you. (laughs) Okay. Well, can, can we go back to something that you said before you were talking about a mix of both Korean and an international mindset and can I ask, and I'll keep using GOT7 as a comparison only because like they're basically the only other group I'm like familiar with. Does that mean GOT7 was too international minded and not Korean enough? And that, and that because of that, that reason combined with something else, they didn't really break through to the international community. And is that what you're trying to say? When I try to look at it objectively, yes, that is the mm-hmm. reason. Mm-hmm. Because So, so that yeah, means the like public... people, oh, sorry, go on. Yeah, and the public, just a short thing, the public community, I'm going to call it that, and that, that this specific public community that K-pop is appealing to is a special market target group, and that is this huge amount of teenage girls, and there are a few guys there as well, but mm-hmm. mainly teenage girls, and this is a market that's been globally recognized by all kinds of bands, pop culture from all around the world. And this global community was looking for something very specific, even if they didn't know they were looking for it. And I think that is why BTS was it, not necessarily GOT7, because they were too random. That's the word I'm going to use. They Mm -hmm. are too random. They're amazing, Mm -hmm. but they're a bit too random for this kind of following. Do you mean random... As in, they're not cohesive enough compared to the almost streamlined Korean esque Koreanness of BTS. Yes, definitely. So there, when I look at GOT7, I see them as a unit, but they also feel like a group of very different characters. You know, mm-hmm. and you know, if you watch a show like a superhero show or something like that, BTS is like. Power Rangers or something like that. And mm. GOT7 would be more like, you know, those shows where there's just, it's like Pokemon or something. Like there's just a, a lot of different, what? completely different. <laughs> I don't, I mean, I'm just looking at the characters. Like there's, in GOT7, they're really different. Okay. Can, can we use the comparison of like Marvel characters? So like Batman and Superman, they come from like different universes, but they stand together. Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah. Like, God 7 would be like Avengers, maybe, mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. like that, where you have different characters and you feel like they come, you sense the difference in their background. It doesn't necessarily have to be cultural. It can also be like life-wise, you know? Mm-hmm. And when you look at the group, you feel like it's a group of kind of different people with different lives. And you feel, you have this feeling that they have their own lives and their own lifestyles versus BTS. This feeling is um, there's much less of it. You know, you mm-hmm. feel like they live, you have the feeling that they live together, which was true at some point, but you have a feeling that they do everything together, that this mm-hmm. is like, that they move as a unit. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the things that differentiates them. 
And, and this sense of unity appealed to the international audience or the Korean audience, right? Is that is that true? Yeah, this sense of unity. First of all, the sense of unity first of all appeared to Korean audiences because they wouldn't have the chance of going out globally if they didn't appeal to Korean audiences first mm -hmm. because that's how it functions. Basically, you have to be sort of acclaimed to get more uh, funds into your act. You know, they have to, because a lot of money is being put into these acts, they have to prove sort of that people want to listen to them, want to hear them, want to see them. And they first had to get acclaimed in, you know, in these domestic spaces. And then afterwards, they got the chance to move forward, mm -hmm. you know. Well, can, can I ask, uh, on this scale that you mentioned, such as being too Korean, or being too international on this scale, can I throw a few other groups that I'm familiar with you? I said that GOT7 was the only group I'm familiar with, which is untrue now I think about it because <laughs> I was somewhat familiar with Big Bang and I knew one song from Girls' Generation, which I think it's the only, it feels like everyone knows, uh, or I know anyway. It's the, I think it's actually called Girls' Generation, which is confusing. They named a song after themselves. Is, is that true? I think so. But okay, so for example, can I ask, is Big Bang too Korean or is it too international? Like, why didn't they make it? And or is it purely because they came or they started 10 years earlier? And if they started 10 years later around the time that BTS did, they would have been the one to break through. So can you rank some other acts, some other bands, some other groups, which are either too Korean or either too internationally minded yeah definitely on an imaginary scale <laughs> that we just made up i'm definitely going to rank them so uh, i think big bang is too international now first of all i just want to clear something up being too international does not mean that you will not succeed as much as bts it just means that it's a different kind of following and different type of obsession basically so okay. What's the difference? It's a different, uh, yeah. And the difference basically is there is, maybe you know about it, a concept of like obsessed fan. Obsessed fans in Korea are called sasang, I think. There, yes, it's just I think people I've heard that who word. really get in, insanely obsessed with a band or a star and they even follow them around, go insane and stuff like that. So yeah. this kind of behavior is much more likely when a band has certain traits or when a star has certain traits. Mm -hmm. And these more international bands, they definitely awake this obsession in, a, in another person, but not as much. And this kind of following is different in a way where more internationally oriented bands get a type of following that is, you know, specific to Western audiences. Like Big Bang is sort of even I, I'm going to clear this up. A lot of them from this YG entertainment group that Big Bang comes from, they have this kind of style, this aesthetic, this appeal, and they're followed in a way that Western bands and artists are followed. People love them. People love to go on their concerts. Brands love them. You know, it's just your classic superstar feel. And this other kind of following is something that creates a serious community. You know, they create like like BTS, like even EXO, all of these bands that are, let's say, m more Korean, they create a much uh, bigger sense of community 
in a community that is close knit, that is esoteric in a way. It's closed up. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's closed (laughs) up. It's it has its own sort of discourse. It has its it's much it has much more of these traits of like a discourse community as a terror mm-hmm. group mm-hmm. religion even mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and this is something that nobody knew maybe some people knew of course but nobody knew it was going to pe- appeal to international audiences but for some reason this kind of following felt right to global audiences of especially teenage women you know so does that mean the more korean centric acts would you say that they appeal to the boyfriend boyfriend fantasy more compared to international acts which portray more of this cool and maybe detached superstar feel? And just to add on to that question, whatever answer you give me, does that also mean the Korean or East Asian fan community or fan culture might be more toxic than or more intense toxic is somewhat of a negative word intense seems a little more neutral but more intense compared to western or international oriented fan bases yeah so i'm first going to answer the last question it's i think it's definitely more intense but it's more intense only because we perceive it from somewhat of a western angle let's say Mm -hmm. It, it wouldn't be as intense if we perceived it completely from that cultural perspective, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. From our perspective, it's way more intense. And a lot of things from an, a different perspective, a lot of things in how we perceive, let's say, Beyonce would be much more intense for someone else. I, I have to talk about this. I don't know. I'm just, mm-hmm. I just started. But for example, the Western celebrities, they get a specific kind of treatment, a social treatment that is not necessarily related to fandom. You know, it's related to their role in a society. And they live the lives of huge politicians. They live the lives of, you know, these they live a huge, amazing lives that are insane. Like why do actors and singers live the lives of extremely rich people who have the inf- all the influence in the world and stuff like mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. This thing could be perceived as more intense than, you know, the acts that come from Southeast Asia and stuff like but, that. But isn't that a comment on their lifestyle and not so much on the fan community following them? Yeah, so it's much different, uh, The per- sort of the perception of someone. First of all, when, you, we, when we look at someone like BTS, like a band like BTS, and then we look at, let's say, Michael Jackson, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I had this Why discussion not? with my uh, friend. I had discussion because she was like, Michael Jackson, he is the icon, the king, the starter of a pop generation. He is the groundbreaker and they all they do like BTS and bands like that. It's all pastiche. It's all, you know, like copying, mixing up the aesthetic game of nothing and stuff like that. We had this discussion and I said like, and I was really passionate about why is Michael Jackson, this groundbreaking huge act and think like, okay, Mm -hmm. he started a dance. Okay. He started music videos. You could say K-pop started a lot of things as well, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but the difference in perception is because the West portrays its 
acts as these innovators almost, like the Einstein of pop, you know? Mm -hmm. And you get these kind of perceptions, and then a fan knows exactly how to behave in the context of this perception. We know that he's a king. We know he from Elvis Presley and even before that, we know that they're kings. We know that they're these huge people that we are not anything like. We're not like them at all. You know, they have these talents or abilities that we do not have. And when you look at K-pop bands, it's much, much different. Of course, they do have special treatment and stuff like that, but it's Korean culture is very open an industry is very open about the fact that these people have worked their way up. So they're not like extremely, you know, like extremely talented, magical beings that are just recognized for their talent. They really had to, you know, like work their asses off to get where they are. They had to go through trainings. They had to live together. It was much more than an ordinary job. And they're the first thing you know about them is that they're hard workers and that they do it all for the fans. They do it all for this kind of thing. And the lifestyle, they do not lead these exuberant, huge lifestyles. The industry doesn't let them live these extreme lifestyles because it removes from this appeal that they have towards everyone. So being a fan is different. And is it this homely, uh, safe, warm, empathetic almost boyfriend appeal that they have compared to this global mega superstar, huge pedestal elevation that you get in the Western media. Yeah. So definitely first, I would say, I mean, all of these are my perspectives that I've gained through some kind of research, but first of all, it's about relating to them in a way, not necessarily even the first step is not being boyfriend material, but the first step is if I worked hard enough with this little talent I have, and if I was in the right context, I could be in the same place. This Mm -hmm. feeling is something really powerful. People underestimate it heavily. When you look at a lot of Western stars, you get a feeling they were just recognized for the superpowers they already had. You know, it's a lot of the superhero feeling. They were born with something, you know, so special. And then they were found. They were found out and stuff like that. This entire concept in K-pop, it's not as popular. People are found based on basically a little talent they have and maybe they look good. But the rest is just busting your ass off. And everyone knows in the K-pop community, there are a lot of bands who debuted and then nothing happened. And, you know, there were no fans. They maybe tried another song or something like that. And if it, if it didn't work, they pull you back. You know, it's it's done. It's not like, yeah, you just need this little spotlight and you're going to shine. And everyone's going to love you. It's basically if it works, it works. If it doesn't, go back, work harder or give up, you know. And this relating to these people, it's very special and important in the perception of a fan. And this, and then we move towards the boyfriend material aspect, you know, because Mm -hmm. if you relate to someone, you feel them that they are on your level, but they're higher. And that is, you know, for teenage girls, I mean, I was one (laughs) a few years ago. Even teenage boys, man. 
yeah, even the teenage boys. Yeah, teenage boys. Yeah, also teenage boys. When you think about like a lot of teenage boys, they like people who are relatable, but also kind of greater in a way. So everyone, I'm just calling it teenage girls because it's a specific target group, mm-hmm, you know, sure. like the room of a teenage girl yeah. <laughs> and the posters that will come on the wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this entire teenage group, when it feels like some someone is relatable, but also kind of like greater than them in a way, it creates this perfect imaginary boyfriend material. Now everyone knows that they're favorite celebrities are not going to be actually their boyfriends, but this imagining is much easier when it's someone, you know, that is young, that is a hard worker, that is, you know, and this youth especially is really important because the K-pop industry appeals to the groups that are just a bit younger than the bands they're putting out, you know. So it's interesting when you get BTS and the people who follow them are just a few years younger, a few years older than them. And you have even K-pop bands that are full of, I don't know, 13-year-olds and 14-year-olds. And girls uh, and boys who are that age, they like those groups because Mm -hmm. it's closer to their age, you know? And you wouldn't get a girl who is 14 or a boy who is 12 liking Big Bang they're adults, you know. Oh, yeah, too old. <laughs> and uh, what one of the dudes in prison? Who's that? Sung Sungri or something? Isn't he in? Prison? Yeah, top T O P. He's in prison. He is my he is my one of my ultimate favorite people from that industry, especially because uh-huh. of his acting career. But uh, he's a good example of you know, also this international vibe. He's like a fully Korean man who doesn't. He's not like what is called G. The other guy, the, G, the, G Dragon, the guy G with the Dragon, weirdest, yeah. the weirdest name in all of K-pop. Me and my friend, every time we like say it, we just we just laugh because it sounds like a gaming laptop. G Dragon, G Dragon, yeah. <laughs> but you have like G Dragon, J Hope, all of these names that are. Mm-hmm. I don't know who creates them, but <laughs> yeah. So, but you have G Dragon, who is really you know internationally oriented. His sort of like on the female side who is the same as him is like CL and stuff like that. You have these Mm -hmm. people who are really like that. And then you have top or TOP. I don't know what they call him. He is like completely Korean basically, Mm -hmm. but also he is a person with his completely own life aesthetic. They're really different in big bang, you know, Mm -hmm. and you get these personal life stories happening. They had different girlfriends. It's a completely different thing they do. So uh, they're not as appealing towards this huge market group that likes BTS, that likes EXO, that likes a few of these other bands. And and can I ask, I don't know much about EXO. Actually, I don't know anything about EXO. Would you say that they're somewhat similar to BTS? I, I think they're actually a little older, but do they also try to balance this Koreanness and internationalness in a similar way that bts does yeah i mean the special thing about bts is that it's like a perfect mix between big bang exo and all of these bands that lean towards one side but for example exo i think the reason why they're not they are huge first of all you know but they're bigger in asian communities 
And like mm-hmm. when I say Asian, I mean the entirety, even like India and stuff like that, like the entirety yeah. of this cultural, you know, continent. So why? Because EXO is, first of all, it's much more Korean that mm-hmm. I would say. Then it comes from the SM Entertainment, which is known for very rigorous and serious processes when it comes to creating K-pop acts. And all of the fans know this. So liking someone from SM Entertainment is a much different feeling than liking someone from other entertainment companies because you know the feeling of them being a product is much more serious and real, you know. You have mm-hmm. to remind yourself that they are created for you by someone and they're not as free in what they do and how they act as other bands. And also there's a lot of them, which mm-hmm. is not a common thing for the international audiences to see. There's like 12 of them and they have like these subunits and stuff like that. These are concepts that are not easily understandable for the international audiences. So that's why they haven't gained as much traction as BTS. Mm-hmm. So BTS, basically what you're trying to say is BTS rides this line between the two extremes. And on the other hand, uh, with my original question, why didn't GOT7 or why didn't EXO or I don't know, another group, why didn't they make it? Because they moved too much in either direction and they didn't ride this thin little line perfectly. So EXO, for example, is more Korean orientated. Yeah, definitely. Now, BTS is a, it's, I like this um, metaphor of riding the wave and stuff like that, because it is like a process, you know, BTS was not always as big internationally. That is important to note, you know, Mm -hmm. when they debuted, they were one of the K-pop bands that was created and stuff like that. And then little by little, they started gaining this international popularity And it was a process of, you know, like it was a refined process of seeing what works, what doesn't, what is great, what is not. We have to remember the fact that these people change their hair color constantly, change Mm -hmm. the style, the type of music videos, the songs, the production, all of these things are really different. Like when you get uh, BTS from 2013, it's much more hip hop oriented. It's Mm -hmm. created like to be this, hip-hop rebellion band and then when you see them from like a year ago you if you you know research the foundations of bts you know that it's in them you know and you're like oh yeah they came from that but at the same time you see a completely different image it's a different aesthetic it's a completely different thing and Mm -hmm. i think also why bts uh, is so appealing it is because of this character development as some would call it i mean because they started from these you know like rough i mean it's not rough they all looked like 13 year olds you know and dancing heavily and stuff like that but -hmm. they came from this rough hard-working hip-hop sort of background and they blossomed into what we see today so when you look at uh, for example suga he's a really good example He is a guy who was an underground rapper in Korea for quite some time before he debuted with BTS. And he was not in the aesthetic and not in the concept at all. Like the dude was literally, you know, in clubs rapping and, you know, doing his thing. And then he decided he needed, if he wanted to really succeed, if he wanted to do what he wants in his life, 
he had to go and, you know, make some compromises and stuff like that. But just seeing Suga, who does all of these things now, and knowing that that is the background of him, you feel this sort of reality. You feel like they're complex characters and stuff like that. So that's one of the most important things also when to look at the timeline of BTS and where they came from. And uh, just a shout out to Suga. He's one of the I think he's the only solo member from BTS that I've actually listened to. He he has a rap, he has one or two rap songs. There's one in particular that I'm thinking about. He released maybe two years ago. I don't know how to say it in Korean, but it's mm, it's like this Korean music video. It basically translates to like like big drum or big blow or something like that, or big trumpet or something like that. And it's him like rapping in like a old school Korea, like ancient Korea, and uh, super 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 cool song. But um so can i ask about bts so i'm assuming that as they've gained more popularity around the world that they have transitioned more and more into this international band compared to maybe when they first started they were more korean-esque because i guess they only really had fans in korea what other changes have they made to their persona apart from hair apart from singing in english more often do they hold themselves differently? Like, do their Korean fans feel like they have become more international and thus they no longer relate to them in the same way that they previously did? This question brings a really interesting answer. It's a really strange phenomenon because it's the opposite of what you said. When they started out, they were more international than they are today. How does that make sense? Because like, because... Apparently, they didn't sing in English before, and now they're singing more in English now. So doesn't that make them more international? You can look at the like really superficial aspects of using the English language, you know. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, having interviews with half English, half Korean, or something like that. But the, com- the complexity of the aesthetic of the music that they were creating, it is much different now and is more Korean now. Why? Okay. Because first of all, I think what they brought with in the beginning, 2013, they debuted and they were kind of a hit in Korea. It wasn't their like exo Korean SM entertainment kind of quality. It was completely different. They were like, Big Bang is too international. They were creating this space for like Korean hip hop. Mm-hmm. Like it's Korean but it's it's formed as hip hop basically and in the music and the aesthetic and everything like that they were rebels they they're called rebels they're bulletproof boys they started that way and they were in a way a revolution against this feeling of either international pop or completely korean pop they were themselves let's call it mm-hmm. that but the themselves that they, we were seeing, it was heavily influenced by hip hop, by this rap aesthetic and stuff like that. So through time, they, I would say, became more Korean in a way, aesthetically, they started doing more things that other K-pop bands are doing and stuff like such that. Such as dyeing the hair? Would that be yeah, such as Yeah, such as dyeing their hair and also like changing conceptually their 
physical aesthetic, like they're, the clothes they're wearing, the entire concepts of their videos and stuff like that, all of these things were changing mm -hmm. and changing often. And this is kind of a K-pop thing to do, you know, completely changing aesthetics, mm -hmm, doing mm -hmm. different things for different videos and stuff like that. And I think because at the moment that they were started, they were created for Korean communities and they were exactly what the K-pop fans in Korea and a bit of Asia wanted, you know, and they, they wanted this kind of like boys who are rebellious, who are like bad boy style kind of thing. And mm -hmm. then as they moved into international spaces, they started appealing more to international audiences that were growing fond of Korean aesthetic of K-pop practices, such as these mm -hmm. style changes yeah. and stuff like that. And so basically, as they, as they got more international fame, they basically fed into or they met the growing K-pop aesthetic. So they, they basically became more Korean over time to fulfill that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you've seen it. I, I would love uh, for you to see this first like first video i don't i don't know is it the first video or is it the first video that became popular mm -hmm. their song no more dream that is something completely different than what you see now you know it's very dark hip-hop did you see it well you know what let's actually i'll, I'll watch to people on the listening on the podcast i'm going to time out for a little bit i'm going to listen to this video and then i'll touch back base in a few minutes okay <laughs> let's actually try this like like you know like you're talking to me about these things like and i'll cut this section out you're like let, let's actually do this also this is a good time for a bathroom break so uh if you want you can go use the bathroom get some water whatever you want what's the name of this song no more dream no more dreams check it, it out is one dream no more dream okay yeah, yeah i can hear it <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> what the f***? <laughs> this looks nothing. They're, they're really pushing this bad boy aesthetic. <laughs> wow. Wowzers. And the album is called Too Cool for School. <laughs> <laughs> Good God. Wow. They look so... I mean, I guess they look young, but they also look so edgy. Yeah, I mean, you can see the clothes. It's like, it's all black. And they wear, I mean, the influence of the hip-hop, especially like African-American hip-hop, it's real. It's not like Super. Korean hip-hop. No, no. This, it, the graffiti, everything, it's it's very obviously, wow. Wowzers, wowzers, wowzers. Yeah, and you see everyone's hair, like, it's black. And everyone is like making these ah faces. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like they're angry. Edgy bad boys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This, this is what people look like when their mom takes away their Fortnite game for a weekend. <laughs> All right. Uh, it's uh. Yeah. Bad boy. <laughs> That's enough. I, I, <laughs> Yeah, are they rapping about money? I think they're also rapping about money. And what's this guy's name? What's this guy? No, I know this guy's name. Uh, 
Which guy? They actually I have no idea what is. They also look. For, I feel like they look quite different. Is that Jungkook? Jungkook. I'm actually not sure which one it is. He, he's. I think he's wearing a dollar sign around his neck. So <laughs> he's, he's really yeah, about this. This is about <laughs> like the, the rough beginning. The, the like we're gonna succeed no matter what you say and all that stuff. Uh, cool. All right. Cool. That that, that yeah. is um, okay. Well. Welcome back to the welcome back to the podcast. I just finished listening to around two minutes of No More Dream, and uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it is it is very rebellious. It's very edgy. A lot more international. Like it feels like the American influence is very strong compared to the softer, gentler Korean aesthetics. Um, can I ask a question about BTS? I, I want to know what their timeline roughly is. So I'll give you what I know, which might be wrong, but from what it seems like, they you said they started in 2013, but I really didn't hear about them until I would say 2017 as like little whispers. And then 2018, they became like more noticeable. And then 2019... I felt they, for me anyway, as someone who's not really that big into K-pop, they've really broke onto the scene. And ever since, they've been like really dominating. And I think in the first or second year of the pandemic, they just released like a million songs. So they got like super, super popular actually during the pandemic or slightly before the pandemic. And can I ask, you know, according to this timeline, firstly, is this timeline true? And then secondly, do you think their popularity has peaked at a certain point and then uh, you know no one can be number one forever i think they're the number one group slash band right now do you think they will slowly wane in popularity and be replaced by another group yeah so the timeline is quite right i mean there are a lot of things in between and this rise was like from 2013 to 2018 this entire process of them getting into the mainstream they also one of the important moments uh of how they started getting into this international audiences stuff you know those like elders react kids react what what is the name of that channel i'm pretty sure it is elders react or kids Re- just a lot of people reacting yeah. one of this <laughs> uh, they were on that before they were even you know popular or anything like that they were on one of those channels and I think teenagers or just random people were reacting to this, uh-huh. to dope song. And everyone was weirded out, but they were also like, oh my God, amazing and stuff like that. Because uh-huh. that was the song where the dancing was really in focus. Like it was, mm-hmm. it was still kind of the vibes of the past, but the dancing was really focused. And BTS, a lot of the popularity they have, they have because of the dancing, because everyone was talking about how good of dancers they are and stuff like that. And the timeline is right. And there was this entire process of them rising towards this international fame that they have now. You also saw that the aesthetic is completely different and that completely, yeah, they were doing just different things. And through time they became even like on Wikipedia page, I just checked you have this, it is actually written that they, moved from this masculinity and you know rough kind of style towards this more feeling you know emotional 
and I don't know, let's say more feminine aesthetic in the most mm -hmm. non-discriminatory way possible. Yeah, um, because if you compare that song to, there's another song that I like, which I can't remember, and I've seen the music video. It, it's, how do I not know this? It's the song of them. It's like Spring Day, I think. I think that's the name of it. It's a lot more yeah, empathetic and a lot something. more feminine. Yeah, and even the the dances, the faces were different. And in K-pop, faces are really important also, you know, because you have like these signature, a lot of K-pop stars have signature moves, like One Eye Wink. I know Mamamoo, a uh, female band, this mm -hmm. girl, Solar, she has like a special signature, One Eye Wink. A lot of people have like <laughs> smiles and all of these things yeah. that are like literally facial expressions that are their signature moves and stuff like yeah. that. So all of these little details are important. And you can see in like the No More Dream, that their faces are like, they're angry. They're like uh, squinting. I don't know, mm -hmm. being just <laughs> shouting mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And now it's all more serene and, you know, they're just kind of feeling this emotional wave ride and stuff like that mm -hmm. and it's it's sort of like they're they're changing in the context of what's happening and what the people want basically so when it comes to is somebody is going to replace them or not first of all no, nobody is going to replace them because mainly because they were the first ones to do this insane jump from a local kind of atmosphere to billboard to, you know, like international shows, stuff like that. They're mm -hmm. kind of, if you, I don't know if you watch the Eurovision, <laughs> but they're I like, yeah, but this year, yeah, the previous year, this Italian band, you know, won the Eurovision and they're doing a similar thing now, which is also confirming what I said in the previous podcast, that the international audiences and the world in general is ready for all kinds of languages and voices and stuff like that. And this Italian mm -hmm. band is doing a really similar thing to BTS. They're suddenly on like Jimmy Kimmel, Sunday Night Live and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And they're mainly singing in Italian, you know, so that's kind of um, a similar situation. But BTS is definitely going to stay where it is as this K-pop band that made it, that they that broke through into international spaces. And also a really important thing about K-pop in general and this approach to pop culture is that it's not necessarily so trend-based as is Western pop culture. So it's not that they, they cannot fall out of popularity. They can just fall out of popularity in certain places or rank lower, stuff like that. But the sense of community is really necessary for K-pop. So people who love BTS and other bands as well, they are a close-knit community, like the armies, <laughs> army, mm -hmm. <laughs> their fan base. It's almost like family, you know? And even people who stop listening to BTS, they're going to be who grow out of it and stuff like that. They're going to check on them constantly. They're going mm -hmm. to look what's going on. You know, like you, when you have these distant cousins that you love, but mm -hmm. you can't really talk to them or don't have enough opportunities to hang out with them, you check on them, you see how they're doing and stuff like that. That a similar situation happened with me and Demi Lovato. I was like an insane fan when I was a kid. And now I literally do not listen to that woman's music. 
But all of the things that are happening to her, I ch- I sort of check on her. I'm like, oh my God, Demi, why did you do that again? Oh my God, <laughs> I can't believe it. Wait, you're going to go come come through. You're going to do it well and stuff like that. You sort of think of them as your family. And this is even stronger when K-pop groups, you know, are the thing we're talking about because they have specific, I mean, I have to call it a discourse community. There's a specific language that comes into it. There's mm-hmm. a specific hierarchy value system. They are there. It's just a subculture of its own. And you cannot take that out of people because especially if it marked their formative years in a way, People are going to follow BTS and they're going to check on them. And even if no new generations come to listen to them, they're still going to have their fans as sort of the family that follows them. And mm-hmm. K-pop is really like family oriented, like uh, so oriented towards their fans that is basically the fans are all they have. You'll get in interviews, especially with BTS saying like, what do you love the most? What they all love armies, love their fans. It's the love of their life. I'm not sure if I'm just too used to the Western style of culture or the Western style of music or performers, but every time they say, I love army or I love my fans, which I don't know their names or anyway, they they never say that. I'm just ad-lipping, so maybe that's not fair, but, but they don't actually know their names. I guess they know their internet presence and they know how many retweets they give them or how many likes they give them, but... Is that, how honest is that? Yeah, so K-pop in general, but especially BTS and a few other bands, they're really playing into a concept like it's called parasocial interaction. It's Mm -hmm. where you feel like you literally have a relationship with somebody that you do not know or a fictional character or something like that. And this parasocial interaction, it's been proven throughout years for celebrities, even in the West that it's not a one-way street, you know, and it's kind of weird, but just as much as fans are dependent on these people, these celebrities are dependent on them. And it's not just, you know, it's their livelihood. Of course, that's a lot of it, you know, but these people, especially when somebody starts young, they're building up their, their view of themselves, their entire concept of who they are around this imaginary entity, ARMY fans and stuff like Mm -hmm. that you have i mean billy eilish talked about it quite a lot in some interviews like the feeling of it's a completely different feeling of being alive and going about your life and having this relationship also influence it you know Mm -hmm. so it's it's something that is definitely true but in a really weird way you know when you look at overall like celebrity concept it's really strange but i think when they say i love I love armies. They're my favorite. They're in my heart and stuff like that. It is true. It's not true in a way like you cannot love. That's my perception. I mean, completely my opinion, but you cannot love somebody you haven't talked to, (laughs) somebody you haven't shared your thoughts with, somebody Mm -hmm. who in real time you haven't had a relationship with. But in terms of this parasocial interaction, they do love their fans, just like their fans love them, because it's like a codependent relationship. And especially when it comes to K-pop, these celebrities and groups know that all they have is focus in those fans. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't get 
these statuses and insane amounts, they're really different kind of contracts, different kind of industry. They are not safe when once they've marked themselves as like groundbreaker hit makers and stuff like that, because it's constantly new acts are coming through and whatever icon you've made yourself to be, you still need those people to validate your position and your image. So they know that that's why also like going to, when we talked about going to the army and stuff like that, they either have to conceptualize the real life responsibilities they have, or they have to fight against them just because they need to keep that relationship alive and this love that we speak of, you know, mm -hmm. it has to keep going. So the fans have what they need and the band, you know, survives basically as an entity of its own. What a strange relationship, but I guess it makes sense. And it's probably a relationship that I can't relate to because there's like three people in this world that know me. Can, can I switch gears a little away from BTS? No, actually, uh, rewind. Let's go back to BTS. So that means there is no band in the future that you can see overtaking them in the Korean community. For example, I've heard of TXT, which I think is a subgroup of BTS. And so they're not looking to dethrone them. And you think the next four, five years, 10 years, that they'll still be popular because they've built such a strong discourse or language or community around themselves. Yeah, so a lot of it is literally following these people as they live. You know, Bangtan Bomb, Bomb, whatever. It's like concept and YouTube channel where they posted all of the things like like BTS, BTS, like background scenes them doing stuff living their life also you have like v lives that they do you have a lot of content that is focused mainly on their lives even if you don't listen to them you love them as your family as i've said before mm -hmm. and there are a lot of bands coming up now i know a lot of also like bands that are completely different in concept that are similar that play on the same things that bts did but the, spe the special thing about this k-pop concept of fandom it is that when you start liking a new band, you never forget your what you came from, basically. You know, so when you start liking someone, when you become a fan and stuff like that, you don't you don't shift your attention. You start liking them in addition to what you've liked previously. Mm -hmm. You know, for example, I've liked a lot of Korean content through my life, but for example, the first things that I started looking into were TVXQ, Dongbang Shinki, and stuff like that. And these people, mm -hmm. they have sort of, let's say, a place in my heart. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily these people, maybe one person and stuff like that. And I've followed uh, this person, Kim Jae-jung. I followed him throughout his career, throughout his personal life. You know, the rest of the music he made and stuff like that. And everything else that I liked afterwards, doesn't matter if it was alternative music if it was new k-pop and stuff like that you're never going to forget that and this kind of family feeling is what it's most one of the most important things in this community and i think it's what what appeals to international fans as well it's not that it's what's the biggest what's the greatest it's this feeling of even if a new kid is born you don't stop loving the first one less you know and that actually reminds me of my relationship with Pokemon. I played so much Pokemon as a kid and 
it's just so ingrained for me. I actually played Pokemon somewhat competitively, like not for money, but I, I used to go on to like tournaments, certain servers and yeah, or I'm not sure if it's tournaments, but I would go online and I would make teams abiding by certain guidelines. For example, if anyone actually wants to know, you couldn't use a move called double team because that would Anyway, I'm basically no one cares at this point, but I had to <laughs> had to abide by certain rules and and yeah, I guess it was within a competitive framework. And even now I haven't played Pokemon for years, like have not touched it for years. I still keep in contact with like the new games, like what do they look like, what do the maps look like, what do the new Pokemon look like, even though I just don't really have an interest in playing it nowadays. So yeah, yeah the I, same thing is position... me with me and Yu-Gi-Oh, for example. Uh-huh. You know, and <laughs> it's something that is so ingrained into who you are literally that yeah. i don't have to consume any kind of content i don't have to you know play <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh cards ever again in my life mm-hmm. i have these these concepts these characters what happens this entire thing is ingrained in me and it's sort of like you like when you have childhood friends and stuff like that and you can't get over it and i think a lot of the Korean culture and also generally Southeast Asian culture is focused around community. And you can see that all of the things that we're mentioning that really stay with us, ingrained with us, they're connected somehow to Southeast Asian culture, you know, Mm -hmm. because things are created with this context in mind, with this Mm -hmm. idea that something is going to become, you know, like a part of you, a part, it's a communal feeling. It's not just like a star that you're going to replace. Mm-hmm. or and, anything uh, else and in 10 seconds or less or, or 10 words or less here's a random question if you had to date Yu-Gi-Oh, joey wheeler or seto kaiba which one would you date <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh. i had dreams <laughs> as a child of him coming onto my roof and picking me up and taking me away literally is this is this the child Yugo or is this like the the one where he like taps into the Emperor Yugo and he gets like a sharper jawline and like bigger shoulders? <laughs> Which version? This is the child Yugo. <laughs> but I was a child as well. <laughs> so nothing beats him, literally. Cool. Let's I, I've got I've another question, not on it's actually on Blackpink, which is also very popular. I remember one time I was in Osaka two years ago and walking through the train station it was literally all Blackpink posters and I remember thinking wow this band really has like a following here so can I ask about Blackpink they have broken into the international community as well would you agree with that definitely they've broken into it but I think they're quite similar to BTS actually when it comes to female bands but I have to compare them always to Big Bang and to 21 and stuff because they could come from the same entertainment company. So that's they feel a leave. lot more international than BTS. I'm not sure if that's true because I I think I've listened to like one of their songs and I, sorry for anyone who's a big fan, I don't really like their music, I would say, so I don't really follow them. Apologies once again to any, any really big fans, <laughs> but I know how contentious it can get. Anyway, so... Yeah, like, would you say they're more internationally focused? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the fact that their bandmates and the people that are in uh, Blackpink are literally international. 
Like there are mm-hmm. two Koreans, but one has grown up somewhere. I mean, there's three Korean people, but one is was born in Australia. The other grew up in New Zealand or something. I don't know. But a lot of them are completely, you know, international in a way that they, you would say think, behave, act, and stuff like that. But it's mm-hmm. still this Korean veil over mm-hmm. them, over them, you know. Actually, on that, you just reminded me of something. Um, so talking about K-pop idols growing up in Australia, so there are two that are fairly well known. I think that came from the Sydney area. One is Felix from Stray Kids, and another one I think is Bang or Bang Chan, also from Stray Kids. And from what from what I've gathered, apparently. Is it bang or bung? I have no idea what straight kids is. Okay, that's like straight that's like. A, I, I think that's the name. Okay, maybe maybe I have the name. No, I'm pretty sure that is the name. But they're like a group, and straight one of the kids. members. Oh, I... Did I say it right, or did I say it wrong? Yeah, it's straight kids. Yeah. Yeah, this one of the members went to the same high school as my sister, and one of my friends is really close friends with what's his name i think it's felix felix's sister so there's some (laughs) there's some link there um and i I heard that a few few weeks ago and i was like oh really that's how bizarre how how interesting yeah cool let's go back to blackpink i love this i love this low-key flex like yeah yeah, that was somebody yeah that was that was (laughs) that was 100 (laughs) percent 100 percent i'm just putting it out there that was 100 percent a flex <laughs> so it's just interesting let's go back to blackpink <laughs> by the way i'm not sure if you know i'm pretty famous around what's blackpink do they share any similarities with bts because for me they're like the female version they've also entered the market but as you as we both agreed they're a lot more international based so what makes them so popular i guess that's my question well, they uh, definitely share things with BTS, especially you can't only look at the music and the aesthetic. You have to also look at their appearances in shows, in, in you know, entertainment, like TV Jimmy shows. Jimmy Kimmel or something. Yeah, but not, not only internationally. You have to look at their Korean appearances and mm-hmm. their lives and stuff that they put out. What they also have with BTS, they're much more international, but they're also, when they come onto these Korean shows and stuff like that, they are really Korean, despite mm-hmm. them all being, you know, like different when it comes to their background and stuff like that. Their behavior, the way they act, they're really, you know, a Korean K-pop girl band kind of behavior. They have this kind of behavior about them. And they're not, you know, like going insane, going crazy. Like you would you would get, for example, in 21 that is mm-hmm. a band dis- dismantled a few years ago, but they were much more their own international style of how they act, how they look and stuff like that. And Blackpink, they are like fundamentally international, but the way they present themselves apart from their music videos and stuff, it is also quite Korean and it's like a community feel. You feel like that they live together and stuff like that. You have this feeling 
Oh, of really? Them being a family, yeah, definitely. And you also because when I when I watch them, I don't. Okay, granted, I've like never watched them, so this is probably not fair for me to say. But when I watch them, I feel like they're like four independent women compared to BTS, where I feel like they're much closer. Now, I will say before any Blackpink fans jumps on me, I've never watched any of their content, but from initial glances, that's what I get. That's what you get when you look at music videos and when you listen to the songs because they're all really talented and, you know, as people, so they really try to shine a light on each of them specifically. But when you look at their documentary kind of like they have like these documentary series where they go on a vacation together and stuff like that, you get this feeling of them being like sisters almost, you know, Mm -hmm. and they try to get them into these same spaces, like they're together and stuff like that. They also tried it with Big Big Bang had the same thing, like, but a long time ago, long before international audiences were even aware of like K-pop as it is and stuff like that. And Mm -hmm. eventually it sort of stopped because they grew older but you also with Blackpink, when you look at their content that is not their music and that is not this like art that they're creating, it is a very like sister kind of feeling that you get, you know, but also it's, they're not the same as BTS, definitely, because it's a completely different kind of following. It's a different kind of love that fans have towards Blackpink, you know, mm-hmm. it's. It's it that is much more similar to Big Bang, this kind of love that fans feel towards them. Because it's not so, it is not so focused. A lot of people that love Blackpink share the same amount of love for different bands, you know. Mm -hmm. And BTS for a lot of people is staple, is literally the main love that they have. And then this love shifts and moves around when it comes to other bands. But for BTS, you know, the, what is the call, what is it called? The concept of like, who is your bias? You know, that thing. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, I've heard so of that term. BTS is most often like the ultimate band bias, you know, mm-hmm. and not even that, but your ultimate bias often comes from BTS if you're a BTS fan, you know, so your, for example, ultimate bias could be Jimin, and then you could love all kinds of bands, all that stuff, but you're never going to remove BTS as that staple part of who you are because Jimin comes from BTS. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, for me too, like this Kim Jae-jung, he is from TVXQ. And honestly, I don't care about the rest of the TVXQ, but I'm going <laughs> to look at them as the staple band and like yeah. their first songs as their, as something that started my love for K-pop because mm-hmm. Jae-jung was there, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. So Blackpink has less of that, definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, can I ask, moving back to BTS... So they're very successful. They are probably the most successful act right now in terms of music. I could be wrong, but if they're not number one, they're like number two, number three. Uh, They're up there. And how have they changed Asian and Western media? Do you see a lot of Western media emulating them or Asian media emulating them? I know obvious examples of this could be like interviews of Jimmy Kimmel or appearing on american television or doing concerts in america all of which bts have done quite a lot but how have they affected i guess other aspects groups trying to basically replicate them american groups trying to replicate them like how have they infiltrated the market yeah so first of all they've infiltrated it in first of all technical 
aspects in a way where there are now a lot more, you know, songs featuring them or their members or mm-hmm. Blackpink or Blackpink members. And they definitely paved the way for the rest of the Korean bands coming to have more opportunities to collaborate with international artists. Big Bang also had played a big role in that. But BTS was kind of like the main point where these big acts from the US maybe started collaborating, started featuring them and stuff like that. And they also created a space for, I think, Asian pop culture in these US cultural spaces. Like, for example, there was there was a space, there wasn't a space empty on Jimmy Kimmel show, let's say. And they mm-hmm. created that space. And it's a really weird thing, especially if you've been following them to see it's like, you know, it's weird crossovers kind of feeling when you get BTS sitting in that in one of those kind of shows because they're sitting in a typical way for this. Korean interview, they're sitting like maybe four below, three above, you know, like mm-hmm. in these seats and they're answering in a very specific kind of way. And they're still answering in a Korean way, not necessarily in Korean language, but they're, they have the same kind of answers, the same kind of messages they're sending through. So it's really interesting to see that in these American shows that have a completely different vibe to them. So I think they're kind of bringing this, these diversities into the Western and overall international scene. But also I have to add the thing that I said in the beginning, this masculinity aspect, you know, I think that is one of the biggest ways that they're influencing the pop culture altogether. Mm -hmm. And I don't think new acts are trying to emulate BTS or they're trying to copy them because BTS is not one thing. They constantly change and they're constantly playing into desires and emotions of their fans So it's not something specific. You would have to look at a thousand factors to try to emulate them. But there is one thing that is more and more popular and that is suddenly being recognized, you know, all over the world as a thing before it was kind of marginally recognized. And that is this new masculinity, the concept Mm -hmm. of guys who are completely different than what we've seen before, who are extremely attractive to these young populations. So younger generations like Gen Z, especially and stuff like that, obviously want something different in their male role models, their male imaginary boyfriends and stuff like that. They want them to be a certain way. And BTS is creating that blueprint, let's say, Mm -hmm. you know, because I talked a lot with younger fans of BTS. And one of the main things that, people who are in love with them and stuff like that, that they, you know, talk about is that they have these traits like new masculinity traits. I wouldn't call it feminine. I would call just refocusing masculinity from certain things to others, like Mm -hmm. politeness, chivalry, sort of, you know, like clean cut styles, nice aesthetics, not being afraid of touch You know, Mm -hmm. a lot of, they're usually, these band members, they're really close with each other. They, you know, like, they hug, they play and stuff like that. All of these things that are natural, like in the masculine world, but is usually something that is completely hidden or something that is not played on. Suddenly, this is having a space in the world and these uh, fans are recognizing it and they love it. They love the fact that they're not afraid of being 
close with each other, that they have a different approach to life, their behavior, that they're not, you know, rough, that they're not angry, that they're not what your typical masculine role model superhero is. So I think Mm -hmm. this is one of the major ways that they're influencing the international pop culture. Mm -hmm. And you see this in both the Asian and the Western field. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely differences in culturally what is masculinity in Western and Eastern. I'm going to say Western and East because that's from my philosophical standpoint. I'm going to call it Western and Eastern perspective. Mm -hmm. But there are a lot of differences also. Like Western perspective of masculinity is much different, you know. and. Definitely, it has different traits and heroes are different. Different things are valued. So I think the Eastern sort of image of what a man is, you know, is much closer to what K-pop stars are now embracing, you know. And now anyone could say like, okay, you know, the thing with the Chinese government with the like feminine men. Yep. Them like yep. banning feminine men. We could, you know, talk about, yeah, but they're not endorsing this kind of looks and behavior and stuff like that. But this still does not negate the fact that masculinity in this Eastern world is, and my country also has a lot of that because we had a lot of Eastern influences and was we were occupied by Eastern influences for a long time. This entire uh, idea of someone masculine being being something calm, being something rational, community-oriented, family-oriented, polite, gentle, stuff like that. You know, these are like Mm -hmm. main aesthetic and ethic values of a man. While in the West, a lot uh, different things were kind of celebrated, you know, and you get different aesthetic and different value-based approaches. So I think a lot of this K-pop is building onto this eastern ideal of a male Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. also bringing new things into it like i think also the korean for example community is accepting some newer things through k-pop of course you know like such as such as i think k-pop is shaping the perspective of younger generations about same-sex interactions Mm -hmm. First of all, I know because from my life in Korea, I know that friendships among men are much different than in the West. Like in Korea, friendships among men are similar to what it's like in my country. It's very Mm -hmm. close. People touch each other without problems. You know, there isn't this masculine ideal of not communicating, not touching, not having anything to do with each other. But also like the concept of shipping and stuff like that, I think it's warming the Korean communities and Asian altogether culture. It's warming them up for different kind of identities, let's Mm -hmm. say, you know, Mm -hmm. even though they had it in their culture, I think it's also warming them up for new things that are coming inevitably, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For sure. Basically, TLDR bts legalizes or is instrumental in legalizing gay marriage in east asia yeah if you looked at it that that technically basically because i've watched youtubers different person different different personalities in korea and the younger generations are much more open to all of these things Mm -hmm. and it is 
the effect of the world altogether, but it is also the result their own Korean bands playing with certain things, certain, you know, aspects of femininity, masculinity, behavior, and stuff like that. So I think it's all one big move towards something, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's influencing the rest of the world, but it is also influencing Korea as well. And Asian culture. I mean, the the fact that the Chinese government proclaimed it or whatever, the thing about the effeminate men, that is a huge sign of something becoming mainstream or growing strong. They wouldn't have to proclaim something that was marginal. You know, they wouldn't have to yeah, that's be true. against something that is marginal. It was clear that the generations of younger people in their country were recognizing that as something beautiful, something great, whatever, you know. So mm. that is a huge sign that the world entirely is getting a different, it doesn't even have to have to be connected to the LGBT community, just a different kind of uh, view on what a woman is, what a man is, and how they're supposed to behave. And I, mm-hmm. for me personally, that's an amazing shift in the world because I love the idea of, you know, this being sort of like a fluid thing, but I think we're all moving globally towards that. And I think K-pop is helping in it. Definitely. Mm. I've got two more questions I want to ask, but the first one is uh, relatively quick. Amongst your, amongst the people that you've communicated with, which member is the most popular just on average? And which member would you say, I guess would be the least popular? That is a hard question because I have talked to a lot of people. And in the beginning of my exploration of BTS, I have my, I had my assumptions about who would be the most popular, but I'm going to have to say the most boring answer. All of them have literally the same following. They're like brats. That's the most boring answer. That is, it was for me too. I wanted to, you know, derive something from who is the most popular and who is the least. But as Uh I explored, I realized that even my favorite is J-Hope. And I thought, Mm -hmm. oh, he is, you could say objectively that he is the ugliest, you know, Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And, but then I realized that there's the same amount of following for J-Hope as it is for Jungkook, Jimin, anyone else. So Mm -hmm. they really are, you know, like Brad Stahls or Barbies, everyone chooses their own and anyone can be it. So, yeah. (laughs) So basically no, no obvious answer unfortunately the answer is all of them are equally popular (laughs) i have a uh final question i'd like to ask so this is something i thought of doing when i was thinking of questions to ask you and i thought it'd be a fun way to end this so have you heard the game i'm not sure if it's popular in eastern europe but it is a game that i've played before uh it's called kill sleep marry (laughs) okay great so we're gonna do this with the seven members except obviously because there's seven members i can't actually you know i've got to come up with more things so these are the seven options that you have and you have to choose obviously match one with each one the first one is kill marry sleep with like the obvious three and then four more i came up with was you have to leave one in the jungle abandon them in the jungle <laughs> okay you get you get to go shopping with one of them like they become your shopping buddy for life one of them is you get to write a song with them 
And the last one is <laughs> you sell them into slavery. <laughs> so we Okay, so wait. So, we first have like kill Mary sleep with and then we yes. have these other options. Well, okay. because you have because you have seven members, right? So Yeah, okay. So sleep, okay, kill Mary sleep, leave in jungle, shopping song, sell into slavery. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so first, leave in jungle. Oh, this is so hard. Shopping as in going shopping just like somebody I'm hanging out with and shopping with. Yeah, I guess uh, I and yeah. well, for me when I was thinking of this, um and granted, I don't know these members very well, but when I was thinking of this, I was thinking of like who's the most fashionable? Who do I think would yeah, uh, okay. be able to point out the best Okay, so song, I would record a song with Sugar. Mhm. I would go shopping with oh god i would go shopping with jimin i would marry jin sleep with j-hope I, I need to ask you I, I should have said i need to ask you to explain this in like 10 seconds oh okay okay <laughs> <laughs> okay so i would go shopping with jimin because I really love him like emotionally he's like a child and mm -hmm. to me I mean I would go shopping <laughs> with him for that reason and because I he's not good enough for me to do the great things with him and he's not horrible enough for me to do any of the bad things to him <laughs> okay okay so shopping right. is like <laughs> the least I can do yeah I would record Understood. a song with Suga because I think I really like him musically and I don't mm -hmm. like the, you know, male falsettos of the rest of the people. And Suga is the most musically developed for me. So, mm -hmm. so record a song with him. I would marry Jin because he's like, I guess what you would call the most masculine of them. Like I feel okay. like he would take care of me, you know, in a really mm -hmm. nice way. And I think he's a Sagittarius and that, like generally fits me well oh and, yeah i remember you asking for my star sign yeah i think about star signs all the time <laughs> yeah. i would sleep with j-hope because he's like the most weird funny and mobile he's like the uh -huh. best dancer of them all so i guess he would have some amazing moves okay and... see funny would not be something like i would like if i was choosing the sleep with option funny wouldn't be the, like that would be more of a marry thing to me no for me funny is like you would sleep with someone funny you know okay because <laughs> okay. then everything is a game and it's playful and it's fun and i would marry mm -hmm. someone who's like who's warm i guess mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and kill i would kill jungkook because like i know that there's a huge following of him but like that Someone's going to firebomb your house. <laughs> yeah, like literally that kid is like fine by me. But I mean, uh, I have no connection to him whatsoever. And my friend from, I would say a past life, but it's a friend that I'm not friends with anymore. She was really in love with him and she co constantly talked about him and was obsessed with him. And mm -hmm. I just got sick of hearing his name and seeing his face. So <laughs> sorry, I have to eliminate you, Jungkook. Yeah. And I would, I would leave rap monster in the jungle because i feel Why? like Why so? i don't care about him and also <laughs> uh 
uh, I feel like he would really he would he would survive. I guess he is okay. kind of you know he knows how to survive in these kind of situations. And who is left? Who am I selling? There's, there's V, I believe. I think he's v. the only one. Left. Oh V! Oh my God! I wish I could have killed him. Actually, no. Yeah, you can change it if you want. <laughs> no, but actually, yeah, I would kill V. Because if I sell Jungkook into slavery, he is, this sounds horrible, by the way, but I think I would get a better price. Damn. So, yeah. <laughs> we, are, we are officially psychopathic on this podcast. It's just um, imaginary worlds. Yeah, just imagine. Yeah, if you're, if you're a fan of BTS, please don't come after me or Uma. This is all imaginary, hypothetical. We are not touching your celebrities. We will leave them alone, promised. Uh, but thank you. Thank you so much for this. Uh, that was really fun. And thank you for teaching me like a lot of stuff I just honestly didn't know about media, about Asian media, about Asian archetypes, uh, Western archetypes, and just celebrity culture in general. So I really appreciate it. Thank you. This was extremely fun. And nobody's going to come after us. They know we love BTS. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yes so yeah, army yeah. forever Woo! <laughs> yeah okay well that's exactly you heard you heard you heard her say it so okay and any questions <laughs> give it to her not to me but yeah thank you so much for this i'm sure we'll find another topic next time to chat about whether it's even something like i don't know parasite or uh, just films or w whatever it is uh, whatever thank you for is, jumping on it's exactly. gonna be fine <laughs> thank yeah, you whatever it is but thank you so much and we'll